0: This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Hello, hello, and good evening to everybody. My name is Nimrod, and welcome to Beyond Governance. And thanks for tuning in, and I'm hopeful that it will definitely worth your while. Uh, if you missed our previous conversation, please visit our website at dot i'm sorry w dot dot com and download your favorite uh, podcast. And uh, tonight, I implore you to wait in our conversation. We value your contribution in whatever form or shape. Um, and tonight is definitely not an exception. Drop us that, uh, that those SMS at three four five one nine. Our Twitter handle is of course at high fm. And for those that want, a, a, a my my view around any other issue, drop me an email as well. at And uh let me firstly acknowledge and, and thank um um you know my predecessors. That uh, definitely Hilton has done a fantastic job. Sasha, thank you very much my dear and tonight I'm not flying solo as always. I'm with Vusi, uh, who will be from time to time, you know, navigating this this relatively turbulent uh, uh ship, especially in this kind of weather. Moving on swiftly tonight, I'm not alone. I've got a sterling lady in front of me. Um, her name is Oni. She's from Africa Tukum. Uh, uh, Africa Tukum is one of those, um, in my view, one of those uh, profound entities that really making a difference on a day to day basis. And she'll be sharing with us her views around what exactly Africa Tukum is uh, before she gets in, um, or rather, engaging on these issues. I, I have had the privilege of knowing a number of individuals at Africa Tukum. Uh Mark Lubner, uh, who is the CEO, um, Monica Singer, who is the chairperson of, of, of Africa Tukum, um Investment, as well as Harry Rosenberg. Um, these are individuals that I've had the privilege of knowing and, and engaging with, and I'm, I'm very pleased that tonight the show is going to be around what the, the kind of spending work they do Um, Without any waste of time, let me me welcome uh, Oni. Welcome, him, How are you?
1: Thank you, Nimrod, and thank you to your listeners. I'm glad to be here.
0: Thank you very much for coming through. Um, Oni, you know, tonight we, the entire globe, the globe, the entire world is literally celebrating the icon, international icon that is National Mandela. And uh, we've known the kind of work he has done to point where he has received the kind of accolades Mm. Um, that, that 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 he has done, and I'm sure Africa Tukum is one of those NPOs, um that that is literally, in my view, living the sixty seven days or living the the, the the lives and memories of Nurse Mandela almost like on a daily basis. Maybe for the purpose of the listeners, what is Africa Tukum?
1: Um Africa Tukum um, is an organization that was started in 1994. It was started by, it was actually the idea of the then Chief Rabbi of South Africa, uh, which is the late Chief Rabbi Cyril Harris, who then approached uh, late uh, Betty Loblin as well and said that they would like to do something to be part of the transformation that was happening in South Africa at that point. And at some point, they also brought on board Hebi Rosenberg, Arnold Foreman, and then they went to Nelson Mandela himself. And they asked Nelson Mandela if he would, uh, become a part of what they were, what they wanted to do, which was to focus on, um, changing the lives of children, um, and then increasing it into the lives of young people in the context of family. And I think uh, initially, um, late Madiba uh, was circumspect about uh, what uh, the chief rabbi of South Africa and uh, Betty Lobna was doing until he visited himself. And uh, when he visited, uh, one of the most quotes that we use, he said, today I see a miracle. And uh, he then said, I'm not just going to be a part of your program. I am going to be your patron in chief. And the late Madiba has been Africa Tekun's uh, patron-in-chief, you know, over the last uh, 15 years, uh, you know, until he passed away. God bless his soul. So for us, you know, Madiba is a, an intricate um part of who we are. Every day is a Mandela day for us. And one of the key um, focus of Africa Tekunuk which is about children, our our vision is a future where today's young people become tomorrow's productive citizens. It's it's based on a model or it's implemented through a model that develops young people from credo to Korea. And this was informed by Madiba himself. Madiba, you know, if you remember, he's one of his biggest quotes. He said education is the most important weapon To change the world. And he said, looked at children and said, children, you know, was the catalyst for change for South Africa. And based on his vision for, for the future, you know, the chief rabbi, the late chief rabbi, um, Harris and Betty Lobner built the organization Africa Tikkun as we know it now. And it's really an organization that is, de- that is determined to make sure that children have a different future. And a different future in the sense that it's not a future where you give them food or a future where you just educate them or a future where you just make sure they are healthy and their smiles on their feet feet on their faces it's a future where children develop into young people and they are able to in their lifetime break away from the cycle of poverty by accessing the economy and i think that's what you know madiba wanted that he wanted a different future from children that if you compare it to the future they had in 1994 it is a much more sustainable future
0: Thank you very much for that uh, rather interesting um, historical overview of Africa Tecum, and, and it is no coincidence that today we're celebrating Madiba Day, and he happened to be the, the patron of, of such a remarkable uh, entity. Um, personally, what, what, what the listener may want to know, um, you know, moving forward, um, is, is currently, because what I would want to encourage, because I would want to encourage people to, to log in and, and tune in and look at the website and see how they can contribute. As you've already pointed out, that you guys don't leave Mandela Day uh, once a year. It's, it's part of your DNA. It's something that you do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but before you get to that part, kindly give us a, a outlook of what... Africa come looks like today, you know, um, so that people are aware because when you go to the website, you see different entities and stuff like that. Give us an overview of how it looks like so that when they log in and, and begin to ask questions, at least some of the questions that they'll be posing uh, are in context and they, they, there's definite perspective from that. So Africa tukun, um as most people who know it, was a Jewish,
1: um, it was started by the Jewish um Jewish people in in general um, led by the chief rabbi and um, when it was started it was more or less a charity and it was focused on transformation like I mentioned and was focused on children and young people Uh, today 23 years later um, Africa TICON has metamorphosized into um organi- an organization that at the heart of that organization is still about developing young people and it's still about making sure that young people can break away from the cycle of poverty and uh, enabling young people to be able, particularly young people from disadvantaged communities, to be able to access the economy. And we do that through principally three programs uh, because we believe that uh, you cannot just look at young people in isolation of their different pillars of development. And we look at young people through um, three pillars. One is the early childhood development where we look at young people from age two to six and our interest there is to make sure that they meet their age-appropriate developmental milestones and that they are ready for school by grade R. And then when they get to grade one, which is the next pillar of Africa Tikun's development from grade one to grade 12, uh, which is what we call our child and youth development program, our interest is to make sure that from an academic point of view, which is education, that that child is solid uh, as as much as hopefully the brain capacity can allow. Um, we also look at leadership. We look at civic education and agency advocacy for the child. We look at things like socioeconomic pathways because that's critical. If you want children to break or young people to break away from the cycle of poverty, you need to be able to start uh, creating a picture of the different socioeconomic pathways that uh, that will help them to get to the different level of their life. And therefore, this would look into t- different careers, career opportunities. Whether you look in a career opportunity from a plumbing perspective to a career opportunity to a a medical doctor or a lawyer. So we make sure that children understand um, socioeconomic pathways that are available to them and that they are able to make informed decision by the time they get to grade 12. We also look at physical and health development of that child. But the ultimate reason why we invest heavily in that child, whether in terms of innovation, in terms of making sure that they understand uh, critical thinking and problem-solving skills, is that by the time the child gets gets to great 12, that that child has made the best decision in terms of their life, the child understands their growth trajectory, and the child or young person in this instance is able to get the best possible matric result. When the child gets a matric result, um, or young person now 18, our interest is to migrate 50% of them into tertiary, and tertiary for us will be the Tibet colleges, the FET colleges, and their normal universities. But for those who cannot access tertiary, for whatever reason – we then migrate them into what we call our skills development and placement program. And this program more or less accelerates the ability of a young person who has matric to, uh, the, to the, uh, with the ability to, to access skills, but also to access opportunities within different industries, particularly the corporate sector. So you would see that Africa Ticone, you know, started out under the auspices or, or, you know, the, the wisdom of, uh, Betty Lobner and late Chief Rabbi Harris as an organization that wanted to do good. But today it's an organization that is 20,000 beneficiaries strong in five communities across South Africa, young people continuously across their pipeline into uh, employment or self employment opportunities. In the 2016 financial year, we placed 600 young people in jobs, and not beyond the a charity or an organization, Africa Tekun remains a Jewish-led organization. And one of the things that you know Jewish people do is that they are very sustainable. They think about the future today. And because of it, Africa Tekun started two other organizations, which is Africa Tekun Investment Trust, uh, where Monica Singer is the chairman. And Investment Trust is an organization that enters into ownership opportunities based on the BEE scorecard. And the sole beneficiary of all Ownership transactions or equity transactions done through Africa Tecone Investment Trust goes back to Africa Tecone, the not-for-profit company, who is then uh, given the necessary financial wherewithal to make the difference that it requires. And then we also recently, four years ago, started another organization called Africa Tecone Services. And Africa Tecone Services looks at how to help companies navigate the BEE codes but through that navigation, find opportunities for companies who need to spend their skills development uh, spend under the BE codes uh, to use those opportunities to accelerate young people into the economy. So uh, the long and short of it is that we're not just a normal charity. We're not a charity that looks about, looks at young people's future today, but looks at it from a place of how do we make sure that they can access the economy, but also how can we survive as a Jewish-led organization in a way that we're not a bottom left speed, but we're an organization that can become a real player in terms of supporting businesses to be the best they can be.
0: Thank you very much only for that uh, rather interesting um and quite detailed um overview of the current configuration of Africa to personal But just take you back for a second. Um earlier on you, you you made mention of three pillars um and and Probably the, the the very first pillar is there of is the is the early childhood development, and and this is perhaps maybe the most important uh, pillar because it, it looks at the fund the foundation of of a child right. um, in a context of poverty, in a context of violence, in a context of social uh, trauma that uh, most children go through um, uh, and, and stuff like that. So so. Who who accessed this uh, particular leg of 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 a pillar, and and how big how big is the program as it were? Be- before you you know you come back, let's let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back. It is now twenty-two after seven. Uh, I'm joined in studio by the marketing director of Africa Tecum. Her name is Oni, and before we went to the break, she was giving us a a sense of how Africa Tecum or different uh, pillars uh, of their model, uh, and and she was about to give us a sense of the, in my view, the most important pillar that looks at the early childhood development. I mean, it's common cause that. Uh, um, if the foundation of a child, it is not solid, the chances of that child dropping out in the in the value chain of schooling systems are quite high. Um, and it could just maybe give us a sense of, of how that uh, pillar um, uh, manifests itself and what are the challenges. Because I would imagine uh, a supply, um, the demand is far greater mm-hmm. than supply. And what who qualifies to come through uh, and, and those that don't come out, what happens to them? And and those that have been taught, what are they, what, what what is it that they've been taught, and and how is it making them better? Mm-hmm.
1: Our early childhood development is actually the most important pro, uh, program that we run uh, because the brain of the child is the one of the most important organs in the life of a human being, and the brain uh, develops. You know, from birth, for the most part, from birth to six years old and afterwards develops proportionate to what it developed then. So, the, you know, most people most people would have heard that the first thousand days is the most important part in the life of the child. But also the birth to six years old is critical uh, if you want that child to be the best they can be. Um, I, I can, I think the only way to illustrate how important early childhood development is in my own life, you know, I, I, had a child who by the age of 10 months was talking and, uh, by one year stopped talking. And, you know, when I took that child to a developmental pediatrician, the child, you know, the pediatrician said to me, the first one said, look, you know, uh, this child is bordering on autism. This child is de- severely developmentally delayed. Uh, you just need to put him or her in a special school. Um, and I refused. I, you know, you go as a mother and you say, why me? Why me? You know, what did I do wrong in my past life? Um, and then I went to another doctor and the doctor said to me, look, you know, the brain of children is very, very malleable. You know, you can change the the, the life of a child by literally what you do. Uh, between bed and six years old, and she said, "You know what? Don't put this child in a developmental, in a special school. Put this child in a normal school." Uh, Get this child a speech therapist. Get this child occupational therapist. Do this, do that, do that. I promise you. Also, don't put this child in a class of people that are younger than her. Put her in a class of um, um, people that are older than her because children learn by imitation. (laughs) So if you put her, she needs to be challenged. She needs to see people that are better than her. And I can promise you, a child that you know some people wrote wrote off at some point when they saw the child because all she was, she was two years old but she was talking gibberish and she yet she's supposed to have been talking effectively well and her understanding was you know it was less than every area of her development was less than less than average in fact worse than average and we started working on my daughter I can tell you now as a result of intensive effort by different specialists as well as Being in a normal school where she saw people that helped her, today that child is above average. She's top of her class. In fact, her teacher writes me to recognize that, to recognize how, how, how she has progressed from zero to hero, if you want to put it that way. And the reason why I tell you the story is that many children are born in township environments and there's no stimulation of the brain. That brain is like a sponge. That brain can absorb as much as you can, but you have to stimulate it. And that's what early childhood development does. It makes sure that the child's um, um, different skills from your auditory skills, your sensory skills, your vestibular skills, your gross and fine motor skills, the various skills that a child needs, including your English and maths. If you want your child to be smart, don't think that children are not absorbing. They absorb. And, and I think that's what Africa Tikkun does because most people in township environments don't understand that that is the critical stage in the life of a child. And by investing in that age and stimulating the different developmental milestones in the life of the child, Africa Tikkun today touches the lives of 1,000 average, approximately 1,050 children per year. Um, and out of that 1,050 children per year, we have about grade um, about uh, um, I think 100 percent, which I would say um, probably five or four hundred of those children are in our grade are, and they graduate graduating to um, grade one every year. And the essence of the grade, the, the the like I said, the early childhood development program is to make sure that children between the age of two to six years old and possibly to our primary health care program in the first thousand days, one, meet their age-appropriate milestones, which is, what, for example, in your road to health cards, it says a child must be doing this by this age, the child must be doing this by this age. We're making sure that that child is meeting those milestones at every age. And then that by grade R, when that child writes a national assessment, there's a national assessment that you write in grade R, that that child is deemed school-ready. Uh, What are the challenges in this program? The challenges in this program is that many parents don't understand the importance of early childhood development. So when they see a center like ours, they, they they think they are dropping off their children, but they don't understand the value of the work that is being done on their children. So there's a lot of work to do from a parental perspective, because remember the education or development of a child is not one sided it's not just for teachers in a center it's a is a co partnership between a parents who needs to support the development of their child at home. So one of our biggest challenges is really to make sure that parents understand the value of our work. And we're trying to attack this uh, challenge uh, by doing more parenting skills. So we're inviting parents
0: into was, different I programs. About, I was just about yes. to say w- w- what exactly is been done to actually um, um, stimulate growth or ap- appreciation on the side of the parents. Mm. And now that you have alluded to the fact that the, most parents don't really appreciate the importance of the involvement um, or their involvement in their in their in their um, children's lives, and they think they just drop them off at school—that's about it. Mm. But how do you uh, bring them in? How do you make them to take ownership uh, uh, of the developmental process of a child? Because that—I mean—I agree with you. That is not entirely responsibility of the teacher mm. uh, parents especially in a um i mean in your more fluent uh, business environment you and i understand exactly that um it is not the responsibility of the teacher but it is equally my responsibility to nurture and and ensure that my child fully comprehend and is ready to engage the teacher but in a relatively uh, vulnerable communities it's more like a luxury because people are literally running around, not because they don't want to, or, but simply because the, the social and economic circumstances often does not allow them to take part. But how do you sensitize them to a point where they really appreciate the fact that they need to be involved?
1: Um, I think the, the biggest challenge in the township economy is that the majority of them are focused on survival. So you'd find someone who is a domestic worker who will need to leave work by five in order to get to their, their work in the, on the other side and who comes home very late. So in their mind, it was just a place to dump their child, um, on, so that they can get to work, um, for the whole day and come back in the evening. And you'd find some parents who are basically, um, um, unemployed, but also not necessarily literate. So they don't feel that they have any role to play, um, in relation to the development of their child. And how we have started solving this problem is by holding regular quarterly meetings with our parents. Um, um, and those quarterly meetings with our parents have now also doubled as parenting skills. And we've started teaching our parents what they can do at home on a Saturday, on a Sunday, in the evening when they get home, how they can, you know, true, not something hectic. But we have something called Play Every Day Project, uh-huh. uh, where just because children learn the most by playing. That's the truth. The truth is between the age of two to six, if you want children to learn, it's not, you can have your formal classes, but the majority of learning or education is through play. Mm -hmm. And we're encouraging parents to play with their children. And we've started showing them how they can use play to stimulate development. And that way, it's fun for everyone. It's fun for the child. It's fun for the parent. And also, sometimes we really identify children who have, like my daughter, who had severe learning difficulties. Uh, uh, what we've done with those kind of children is that we have also brought in partners, partnerships with occupational therapists and speech therapists and we invite the parents to understand that, you know, for your child to progress, like my child I, and, and I'm I'm a lawyer, you know I realize that if I didn't do anything I've got a lost cause here. So we, they, they, that, that for me to get my child to become normal again and to meet her, her developmental milestones, it's a partnership between myself, mm-hmm. the occupational therapist and the speech therapist. So I Africa Tekuna said to parents, particularly parents who have strong challenges with, with their children, that for us to migrate their children, hopefully, uh, from the challenges that we notice in the child's life, um, that it has to be a true partnership. And sometimes money isn't everything.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, can you personally take us through yet another interesting and, and, and very important pillar of your model, that is that of a child of a child uh, and youth development, because this is perhaps maybe a transition phase from from ECD to the next level Uh, take us to just unpack it for us what does this program, what does this pillar entails?
1: So when the child, like I said, finishes from grade R, the child migrates into primary and high school. Africa Tikkun is not a school. Uh, We help parents to make sure that children uh, migrate into government schools around us and if the child is a child with disability, perhaps we couldn't solve the problem of disability to migrate hopefully into a school uh, that is capable of managing the disability of the child, particularly if it is intellectual disability. Um, but however, after the child finishes school from one, um, for primary school, 130 for primary school and 230 for high school. They then come back into our centers in an after school program that we call the Child and Youth Development Program. That program focuses on five pillars. Pillar one is what we call inspired learning and inspired learning is to get young people to look at learning in a very different way and to challenge them I'm um, through the other programs, which I'll speak about in a minute to recognize that the future, their future is in their hands. And we do this by running similar proprietary programs like innovation. Innovation, the second pillar program that we run is focused on recognizing that in the real world, what you expect of adults is to problem solve. That's hmm. what you expect. You expect that adults, when there is an issue in front of them, they are able to solve the problem, analyze, critically analyze what is in front of them, uh, work either in a team or as individuals to solve it. So our innovation pillar, really true, uh, what we call maker spaces. Uh, where you say you, if you have a problem, you solve it by making something or through music and dance to simulate creativity. We try and engage young people around problems that are around them and say, how can you be a solution to that problem? And hopefully innovate through that process. The third pillar that we run within this program is what we call uh, 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 Grow Your Future. Grow Your Future focuses on the socioeconomic pathways that children or young people need to um, understand or they need to access. So when we saw socioeconomic pathways... Um remember, our vision as Africa Tikkun is today's young people, tomorrow's productive citizens, that young people's ability to break away from the cycle of poverty in real time. So we do not want to start at grade 12 to start telling them, oh, these are the different socioeconomic pathways that is available for you to you. We start from grade one to start saying, you know, uh, you don't have to be. All a doctors, you don't have to be all lawyers. You know, there are different pathways within the science in a uh, science industry. You can be a biochemist. You can be a, you can study biotechnology. You can even be a plumber. You can be an electrician. You know, we look at the different personality types, the different. Um, um, thinking styles, the different aptitudes of children. And we try and channel them to the best career or socioeconomic pathways that is better suited to them. And in fact, this year, this year in particular, we are partnering with Land Bank because if you look at the economy, the country is in, se- in recession mm-hmm. and the, the, the sector that is doing the best is agri, agri- farming in the agriculture sector is doing the best. And we're beginning to market farming to children and to say you could actually be a farmer and be successful you can work in the agribusiness industry and be successful. So the socioeconomic pathway or Grow Your Future program Make sure that children understand the different career pathways that's available to them. And then finally, we look at um, what we call empowerment. And empowerment makes sure that children are active citizens by teaching them about their rights and responsibilities as per the Constitution and teaching them the concept of agency. You know, if you say you've got a right, um, who is the duty bearer of this right? And how do you realize this right? So, for example, uh, some of our young people uh, said that they had a right to sexual and productive health rights. And we said to them, who's duty bearer? What right do you believe in terms of they said, oh, we uh, we want we believe we need access to condom and that we need to, you know, that cause the, the, the the law says that we should have access to to condoms. And we said, OK, so what are you going to do about it? And uh, the young people said, but when we go to the clinics, who is the duty bearers who are supposed to give us condoms for free, (laughs) they look at us funny, they judge us, they don't want, you know, to see us. They say, we're going to tell your mother that you come into the clinic. And the children, uh, you know, we said, uh, but you know that it's their duty To provide these condoms for you What are you going to do to get them to change their minds And I can tell you These children went and engaged with the nurses in the clinics mm-hmm. And they had robust conversations Around sex, sexual and reproductive health rights In fact, they started out by making chocolates And they took chocolates to them In order to soften them a little bit <laughs> And I can so that tell you today <laughs> There was a strategy involved And I can tell you today They're able to get those condoms from the clinics But the essence of the Child and Youth Development Program In a nutshell is one, to make sure that children are academically stable and that they are the best they can be from an academic point of view, that they understand the various um, opportunities that they can be a part of in terms of the economy that they are able to accelerate that econo- that opportunities through, you know, as uh, um, partnerships with organizations that can enable that. And that hopefully through understanding their rights and responsibilities and uh, becoming active in the form of advocacy around it, that they become leaders and they begin to, you know, um, not just become um, uh, young people that are value based that understand their rights and responsibilities, but are young people who after matric, can can become um, um, people who, uh, um, I would say, become the best they can be in terms of achieving the best possible matric result.
0: But tell me here, you know, this particular um, pillar, which is referred to as a child and youth development, um, I've noted. I've also looked at some of the material that has been produced. It's probably one of the one of the finest that I've seen. Mm. Uh, and, but based on what, from where you're sitting, what would you say? Makes this child, um, child and and youth development wing or pillar of of Africa to come more successful.
1: I have to say, um, what makes it successful is the combination of programs, um, the fact that we are we are, we recognize that we are producing uh, the children of the future. And we are looking at the jobs of the future. And because we're looking at the jobs of the future, we're trying to make sure that those young people can access that. Today, let me give you an example. DeepSloot had 100 young people uh, write matric last year. Uh, out of that hundred young people, seventy of them are in, in tertiary education. Miss with some of them studying in UJ, UCT, studying mechanical engineering. For me, the, the the beauty of the program is that the program is seeing a lot of young people accelerating and getting into universities, not just in terms of um and passing matric, but they are accessing bursaries in real time. And we know that once a young person is in university, that young person has broken away. Has one, the problem, the, the battle is won. I would say seventy-five percent of the the battle is already won. But more importantly, these young people are engaging at levels of like the children's parliament. They are part of the youth parliament of South oh. Africa. Uh, these young people are traveling to Las Vegas, to the UK, and participating in triathlons. We can see the success of the program, whether from an academic level. Uh, from a uh, sports or a physical and health educational level, but even more importantly, from a value-based level. That when you talk about leadership in South Africa, our young people are actually, you know, part of the people who are leading a number of delegations within the South African
0: economy. Let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. It is now 18 to 7 o'clock, and I'm joined in the studio by Oni. Uh, no, really, who is the head of uh, marketing and communication at African Tukum. And Before we enter the break, um, the conversation is all really about Africa Tecum, which, uh, in my view, is probably one of the most uh, successful NPO that I've seen. Um, and we've seen in, in, in the past or currently most of the NPOs literally shutting doors, but for, for, for some Good reason, I would imagine, because of their business model, they've been able to survive. They've been able to to sustain and do the incredible work they're doing uh, 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 to date. Um, only maybe you know one of the things that perhaps maybe a, a listeners would want to know exactly. Uh, we've earlier we've talked about ECD, we have talked about um, the, the the youth development. Let's now talk about the third layer of or the third the third pillar of of your your developmental program. What does it entail?
1: Uh, The third pillar of our development program, which is the Youth Skills Development and Placement Program, uh, this program takes the baton from the child and youth development, and it's more or less focused on young people who couldn't go to varsity for whatever reason. And sometimes the reason is this child is not just a varsity or a tertiary candidate. This child is more vocationally orientated. I call them children all the time, but they're actually young people. Um, and sometimes the truth is no matter how much we try, you know, we ca- don't find bursaries for everyone. The truth is bursaries are very hard. We try our best to get as many young people as possible to ha- to, to ha- um, tertiary education. But for those who we cannot get into tertiary education uh, for whatever reason, we then migrate them into the skills development program. The skills development program focuses on four particular elements one is to make sure that they have the requisite computer skills so we teach them microsoft office suite which is your excel word uh, powerpoint and internet we teach them also how to start their own emails how to use an email we help them open up a linkedin address so the whole essence of the computer element of that is really to make sure that that child can navigate a computer at least from an intermediate level we also recently, because we recognize that it's getting harder and harder to migrate young people into the economy, we've introduced things like coding um, as an element of hopefully differentiation for those young people. And we've started introduction to coding um, in order to target, for example, your SAP or your Oracle industry. Uh, we also then train the young people on the various um, elements of what, ready to work if you want to call it things that help them to get ready for work and there are four pillars to that we teach them what we call work skills uh, what the world of work expects from you uh, what your boss if you get employed interviewing skills how to prepare your CV then we teach them if you then get this work you know and you earn your first paycheck what do you do with money how do you plan with money which is what we call money skills so we teach them things like income and expenditure how to budget um, that once you're paid whatever you paid at the end of the month, you have to make sure that you don't finish it in one day and that you've got to plan with that money till the end of the month. Uh, we take this for granted. You think that every young person knows that, you know, uh, once they get paid that they ha- it has to last. The truth is many of these young people have lived through cycles of poverty and unemployment, generations of unemployment. And so many times they, they have never worked with money in their lives, except for, you know, the grants that they get. Uh, then we might Migrate them to people skills. They've got to work with people. You know, we look at things like diversity. We look at things how to relate with people. We look at general EQ skills. And then we finish with entrepreneurial skills. We more or less do an introduction to entrepreneurial skills. And we want young people to understand that their job is not the only option. You can also start your own business, which is the other pathway that we look at self-employment. Um, Once we finish that course, we try and migrate some of the young people into um, learnerships or internships or entry level jobs. But as the economy gets harder and harder, uh, we've started partnering with organizations that can help us. transition young people into specialist skills. So we've partnered with an organization called Restaurant Solutions and our interest is really to make sure that young people access the hospitality industry. Also with KFC as well, we're now making sure that we can transition more young people into the hospitality industry. We've also partnered with Calix. Um, Calix is helping us to make sure that young people can access the high-end retail industry. So we're now training for not just a general skills training, we're training for specific industries with the whole intention that every hopefully that every young person that has that is skilled through our program has the opportunity to you know to access the economy.
0: Can I maybe just uh, come in here um Oni. Um earlier on you, you I think you you've you've made reference to a number of critical points that I think are quite important. Office admin, workplace readiness program, uh, money skills and people skills. And, and, and in that order, you then spoke about entrepreneurship skills, which, which in your view, it's not something that has taken off. The reason why I want us to, to reflect a little bit on the entrepreneurship skills is that in this country, we know that in as much as we're focusing our energies on, on um you know, in universities and Tibet, we, we do need to have more and more emphasis on entrepreneurship skills because ultimately we are able to change the conversation around the table um, as to what is that, what, what is that young people want to do as soon as they finish. Because typically, um, you know, um, in Asian countries, for, for an example, the conversation around the table, even those that have gone to universities, it is not for them to ask to, to look for jobs. Okay it is for them to create jobs okay and and this is something that I want to challenge at some point, Africa to come, to begin to take entrepreneurship quite seriously with a view to change the conversation on the table so that um, we're not really pushing uh, our learners into the education system because majority well this country on this continent for that matter will de- will require a number of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship in my mind and based on experience is that it is often seen as a last resort. Okay? The first resort is go to university, go to and and get a job. You know, it is not about go to university with a view to come back and create jobs. Okay. So which means we needed to 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 plant the seed of entrepreneurship as early as possible so that so that when a grade when, when a person graduates from grade 12 doesn't it's not like it's not fresh anymore you know interpretation is fashionable so the question for me is um, is it something that you begin to look at as Africa to come, so that you begin to invest in as much as you are looking at other processes, but to stimulate entrepreneurship in a much more sustained way, so that those that are perceived to have failed, because ultimately this is the perception that look you're not academically sound, therefore this is your route, okay? And unfortunately, the, the 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 downside of that kind of orientation is that majority of youth feel as if they failed themselves. Mm. And, and it's not them, but the system has failed them. We have failed them. We as parents, education, everybody has failed them because mm. we have conditioned their mind that you need a degree. Mm. Okay? Uh, of course you need a degree, mm. but you don't need a degree to find, you know, to, to look, to work for somebody mm. else. Mm. You need a degree to establish your own business so that you can manage it better. You know? So okay. so the question for me is how, what is that Africa to Kum is doing or is likely to do, okay, to change that conversation, are we at the stage or a level where we can begin to thoroughly interrogate the essence of interpretation.
1: Yeah, um, As you know, today, Africa is about today's young people, tomorrow's productive citizens. And productive citizens for us is about accessing the economy. And accessing the economy for us is about employment or self-employment. Um, and for us, we, we always look at, we don't believe all children are entrepreneurs or all young people are entrepreneurs. We want young people to be, that's what our big belief is, that we want every young person to be the best they can be. So at a very young age, and I may not have mentioned this in the child and youth development space, we we run five programs uh, within that space uh, that looks at uh, career development. One is discover your career, which looks at, you know, different career opportunities. One is discover your five options after school, uh, one of which is entrepreneurship. One is discover your tertiary. So if you go into tertiary, uh, where are you, you know, where you, what, 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 what does tertiary look like? And then one is discover your entrepreneurship. So we already start mm-hmm. uh, from high school, grade 8 to 12 to already introduced the concept of entrepreneurship, but recognizing that not all children have that, we then reintroduce it again at the skills development phase, and we look at um, discover um, introduction to entrepreneurship as part of our skills development course. Uh, we recognize that the, the importance of entrepreneurship in our programs, and we recognize that at the end of the day, it's not just about looking for jobs, about job creation. But however, we don't want to make the mistakes that everybody else makes. The truth is, out of every hundred jobs created, I'm using that as an example, only four succeed. Uh, because entrepreneurship is a very, very, very tough thing to be, be in it takes a certain kind of people it takes resilience a majority of entrepreneurs you see are survivalist entrepreneurs so when we select and particularly when we do we do what we call um, an assessment between grade 8 to 12 that assessment tells us then, uh, what is the kind of personality type the thinking style the aptitude of our learners and the reason why we do those assessments is to help us to separate those who believe, we believe, has entrepreneurial tendencies. We do a similar assessment in skills development, and then we then migrate those who we believe has entrepreneurial tendencies into entrepreneurial programs. So recently we have just partnered with Alangre Obis Foundation. Uh, The biggest interest, I do want to say this to you, Nimrod, that the best entrepreneurs... Are not people who finished matric? If you look at the most mm-hmm. successful entrepreneurs, for example, if you look at um, um, Adrian Gore, you know, and Discovery, you know, they they had degrees. Uh, um, you, we, we're not necessarily saying that people who go to tertiary should not be entrepreneurs. We believe that tertiary positions you. It's like a
0: Absolutely. it helps you. It, it, it cushions you. The, the,
1: you. It. Our, our position as Africa Ticon is that young people yes can become entrepreneurs after matric, and we. I think it's a very tiny percentage that have that chance of success. We we stand to be corrected. We believe that the best success for entrepreneurs is if one, they've gone to tertiary and understand the dynamics of business. Two, we prefer a young person to go into a work and work for it. Because when you work, you you recognize that a business, there are disciplines you learn from working. Uh, the the, the discipline of waking up in the morning by 5 o'clock and going to work, the discipline of having a boss, the discipline of managing money, all of that is needed for an entrepreneur to succeed. And hopefully, after one or two years, we expect them not to be in work forever, but it's just that discipline that then enables them to be successful. So, yes, we believe that the success of South Africa is about growing the economy. And one way of growing the economy is through job creation. And one of those best ways is entrepreneur. But we need to make sure that the right young people who have the right skills, the right aptitude, and the right resilience or uh, attitudinal factors go into that, so that they can succeed.
0: I couldn't agree with you more on that. Only if, if, for those who have just joined us, I'm in company with Only Naweer, who is the uh, the head of the head of, of marketing and development at, at Africa Tukum. Uh and, and really she's giving us a sense of the model. Of to kum as probably one of the most successful NPOs that, that that I know of. Um you guys leave Mandela Day every day. But today was a special day because it is the, 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 the day's been commemorated globally. Um within, within the next two, three minutes, just tell us exactly what is that you guys have done today that is special.
1: Um today we worked with a lot of companies, including the Ambassador of Israel who is about to leave. And we provided a large scale uh, because what I, I always forget to say that Africa Ticon is not just about skilling and and the education and development of young people. We look at young people in the context of family and in the context of food security and in the context of health. So for example, the ambassador of Israel, Ambassador Lenk and his wife, I just want to use this opportunity to say thank you very, very much. They have been awesome to Africa Ticun. They came out to our Alexandra Center and they packed food parcels for the families of children and they all we also um, did artwork, work, a developmental artwork work for children. We had a number of Jewish businesses as well as uh, other non-Jewish businesses come through to our centers. And, for example, I said Land Bank came out and did a skills development on the career within the farming and agribusiness industry. We had um, um, Mediacom come out and, you know, look at um, how to help children to spell uh, we had a number of businesses, if I haven't mentioned them, but I just want to say that we we, 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 we we changed the lives of children from early childhood development all the way to skills development. And our intention was to make sure that every child... And their family went home with a new knowledge that they didn't have before, a new skill they didn't have before. But more importantly, they had hot food in their stomach. And they had, for those who are really, really vulnerable in terms of very, very poor families, they went home with food parcels.
0: Excellent stuff. Um, you know, my, my issue, and and Provost, everyone um, wants to see the Mandela Day being an exercise that is done on a daily basis, just, you know, but how do you get to a point? Uh, what is it that the likes of Dr. Kum is able to, to, to encourage um, almost everyone, corporate and individuals, and uh, not to, not to be there once a year, but to do it almost daily. Because I would imagine if it would, it's, it's an exercise that is done daily. Um, the kinds of financial contribution, the kinds of successes will double because what is it that we can do as a collective to encourage every single South African, especially corporate, because there are resources to become more engaged, not 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 to comply because it's something that is done on on, on, on you know, once a year? I think my challenge to South
1: Africans is is that every day should be a Mandela Day Um I think that we often only, you know, um, well, not necessarily, um, but we all rally around on the 18th of July. And everybody wants to do something. But the truth is our children are there 365 days a year.
0: Absolutely.
1: And if they are there 365 days a year, you can come and play with our ECD children. You can come and, you know, help develop their gross and fine motor skills through playing ball with them, helping them to write, playing puzzles with them. You can come to our child and youth development and help them to innovate, help them to problem solve. You know, come and engage them on a number of issues. Come and tell them what the future could be in your company and the different career opportunities. But most importantly, I say the biggest risk in this country is our young people. Uh, we train over four, we have trained over four thousand young people over the last three years. These young people want to experience Life in a different way, and this is life in a job environment. Even if the job environment is not their ultimate desti- destination, so I'm challenging businesses: you can create jobs. We're asking you: you have, there are many incentives that are currently available, whether it's the Employee Tax Incentive Act or the various opportunities within CETA You can create jobs. If you can take one young person into your business, it will be greatly appreciated, and you would not just change a life; you would change a family.
0: Thank you very much, Tony. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on board. And I think you've done justice in as far as really educating every single person out there about the kind of work that Africa Tukum is doing. Uh, Africa Tukum is doing. Um, I, I I welcome everything that you've, that you've done. And, and you guys are just phenomenal. Well done and keep up the good work. Thank you. And there it is. Uh, unfortunately, we had we don't have much time. We would have get uh, only because she's quite vibrant individual. She could have given us more. But uh, until we meet again, adios.